I'm Chalanga. I'm Dylan. And this is the CND NBA show. Oh, Dylan, I'm having fun tonight. This is, I'm feeling kind of goofy. How you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling so straight and narrow right now. Mm. You look like you just went to a chiropractor. You look very aligned. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was feeling I was feeling a little crooked. Well, speaking of crooked, let's talk about some real stupid news. Ooh. In our first piece of real stupid news, Lamarcus Aldridge retires from the NBA. He had an irregular heartbeat. It was a, a medical retirement. Um, I, I'm glad that he's okay. Blessings up to Lamarcus. There's really no other thing that you can say about this. I mean, it's with an irregular heartbeat. Uh, it's stupid in the most serious sense of the word, right? And it reminds me a little bit of the Chris Boss situation. I don't think that was an irregular heartbeat. That was like a worse, even worse condition. Yeah, it sucks. It totally sucks for uh, the Nets. I mean, it does does in not? I don't know if it sucks play, for the Nets so much. <laughs> Nick Claxton obviously is like a very capable player, and I'm, who knows what LaMarcus would have been able to bring in the playoffs. But it just sucks for the Nets just because it seemed like they had a great culture despite the fact that it was kind of a jerry-rigged team. It sucks for the league to lose uh, a player who's a fringe Hall of Famer at this point. It reminds me a little bit, actually, of Elgin Baylor retiring because the Lakers in 1972, that was the year that they won the title that where Jerry West got his one title with Will Chamberlain. And Elgin Baylor was on that team and he retired very early in the season because he realized that he was not helping the team and he was actually going to be a detriment to the team down the line. And they happened to win that year. And it was like kind of admirable in a way. And in the same way, like it's admirable that LaMarcus Aldridge wants to uh, live for his family and live for his life. And so yeah. good for him for that. Yeah, I'm proud of him. Do you think that LaMarcus Aldridge is a Hall of Famer? I would have to do a, a little bit of a deeper dive on his stats because, it, I mean, I think for him it is going to come down to a statistical argument because he hasn't won anything and he hasn't even been like that far in the playoffs. So I, I don't I don't know. It would have to be like a pure numbers thing. Like if he's top 20 scoring all time somehow, which you know, I don't know, then it's a conversation. But if not, then I, I, I don't know. How many all-stars does he have? Okay, so he has seven All-Stars. That's enough. Mm. I mean, that's the Kyle Lowry argument be before he won the championship as like the second or third best player. Well, Kyle Lowry also had the, had the argument of being the best player a franchise had ever had, like a, a greatest True. player on a franchise, which LaMarcus True. doesn't doesn't have that. Not even close. Um, but so. LaMarcus was so close to it in that 2015-2016 Spurs team where mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Uh, Zaza Pachulia. Where he yeah. where he stepped underneath uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? Yes, and that changed Lamarcus the was on that team. That series, Lamarcus was on that team. He's played. Damn, he's for been this. on the Spurs his... for a minute. Yeah, that was his first season on the Spurs. That team could have won the championship. I mean, yes, uh, they ended up going down. Uh, I think either either four zero. I think it was four zero, and uh, and that sucks. But uh, they were up like fifty points up until that point where Kawhi got hurt. And who knows what would have happened in that series because Kawhi Leonard was on another level that yes, season. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, so I guess it's a wait and see. Certainly not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I, I, he he will probably get in. Yeah, two two times second team All NBA, three times third mm -hmm. team. It just feels like he has a better resume than like Mitch Richmond. So 
I feel that. Uh, in our next piece of real stupid news, the Boston Celtics have signed Jabari Parker to a two-year minimum deal. The second wow. year of this contract is non-guaranteed. What do you think, Dill? It's interesting that you put these two next to each other because that was my next question. Is Jabari Parker a Hall of Famer? You know what? I, again, I would have to really look at the numbers. Um, how many All-Stars does he have? Uh, I think it's between zero and five. Uh, he has more ACL tears than he has All-Star games. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Three more? <laughs> uh, the interesting thing is that they decided not to go with the 10-day contract. The Celtics went with the 20-day 20, 20 contract because that's how many days are left in the regular season. <laughs> uh, yo, I, I, I like Jabari Parker. I'm I'm a fan. I, I, I like I, – I don't think that he's a particularly good NBA player. Um, but – I like to play with him on 2K. Uh, <laughs> I I just like the dude couldn't even crack the Kings rotation and the Kings stink. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Celtics definitely need some help. They are thin. And I guess Harrison Barnes, Nemanja Bialica, Marvin Bagley are all better than Jabari Parker at this point. Glenn Robinson, the third. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. But it's almost like Danny Age wants to just make this as difficult as possible in their center rotation because, like, they literally gave up Daniel Tice for nothing, for zero things, essentially. Like, Mo Wagner is not playing. Mo Wagner. (laughs) Uh, Who is playing for them? Uh, Who's their backup center right now? Luke Cornett is getting. He's on the Celtics now? Yes. The fuck? Yes. I don't know why he's getting playing time over Mo Wagner, but. Evidently, he's been playing okay for hey, the Celtics. Luke Cornett is low-key. He's low-key nice, though. Like, <laughs> he can he can stretch the floor a little bit. He's bi- he's really big. He's like seven foot two. Yeah, he's. <laughs> um, yeah, man. This is a. If you're this is seven a foot two and you're a mid basketball player. You're kind of a fucked up basketball player, though. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Look, the Celt- this Celtic season is really fucked. I, you know, Kemba's arthritis in his knees really stinks. Like, I think that he's just will continue to go downhill uh, from this point. I think the Celtics are probably wishing they still had Terry Rozier at this point, and they made this gamble with all these draft picks. And all of the the three draft picks they had this year ended up being shitty. I mean, I think their dream was to trade for that final piece, right? That fourth All Star or that type of player um but now they've got jalen brown and jason tatum locked up and that's a great one too but they're really missing the 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 pieces around them and uh i don't know if jason i don't know if jason tatum is a one we'll see he's young still but i don't know if he's a number one guy you watched that celtics game yesterday Mm-mm. i think he's a number one guy you think so oh he was so good in that game <laughs> <laughs> They came from behind in the fourth quarter against Steph Curry, who scored 47 in the game. And he yeah. scored 40 for himself. It, he is, at times, a top 10 player in the league easily. And the problem, I think, is that like in the playoffs, in the bubble last year, he was on and then he was off. Yeah. And when you see like the stars, they can be inconsistent just because Mm -hmm. they can sometimes be that elite. But in order to become the superstar, the LeBron James, 
you need to bring it every night. And that's the question with Jason Tatum is, can you bring it every single night to give your team a mm-hmm. chance in all four of the wins that are required in every round of the NBA playoffs? The good news for the Celtics is that Jalen Brown has gotten a lot better this year, which means mm-hmm. if, if Jason Tatum can't bring it, maybe Jalen Brown can pick up some of that slack. It's just that Kemba can't do that anymore. And that's a, that's a tough contract to have. Luckily, they do have a lot of young, like, kind of like interesting type players. I, I mean, I, they could be able to package Kemba and some picks, and they control all their own picks. Um, so like, there's a possibility for them down the line to turn Kemba into something more useful. We're we're doing a disservice to the Celtics to not to, to not acknowledge right now that Kemba is finally getting healthy. The last mm-hmm. couple of games, he's gotten a lot healthier, and and on, yesterday he had a great game, mm-hmm. and also to not bring up the fact that they've had the most COVID protocol uh, injuries or out, whatever, of all NBA teams. So uh, it's been tough, a tough year for the Celtics as well. Yes, it has. Uh, our next piece of news, Dwayne Wade purchases a stake in the Utah Jazz, moving into NBA ownership. Congratulations, Dwayne. That's cool. Le Mignon, was it Porterhouse? Oh, 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 oh. S-T-A-K-E, Dylan. Oh. Like he, he, bought, he bought shares in, in the Utah Jazz. Like, did he buy Sonny's? Uh, no, S-H-A-R-E, share. Shit. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, sorry for the confusion. confusion. Um, that's cool. I got you, babe. Utah's got that young, new owner, and uh, they've got Donovan Mitchell. Good for you, Dwayne. The next piece of news: the NBA. <laughs> wait, wait. Does this the... make does this make the Jazz less racist? Uh, no. Nothing can make the Jazz less racist except moving out of Salt Lake City. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> Shout out to Salt Lake City, though. They're kind of a diamond in the rough in that state, though, too. <laughs> uh, the NBA finds the Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs twenty five thousand dollars each for violating resting rules what look what my question is why is oklahoma city not being fined every game they play al horford has is sitting and they said he's not hurt he's just not gonna play this year that's like that is what the nba doesn't want and they did it blatantly for some reason adam silver has the biggest and all of the National media coverage has the biggest hard on for Sam Presti, and I don't understand it. He lucked into Paul George. He lucked into getting rid of Paul George. He lucked into the fact that the Rockets were so desperate that they gave up a first round pick to get Chris Paul off their team. He's lucked into all of these moves. Was Sam Presti around when they drafted Durant, Westbrook, and Harden? I don't know how long he's been around, but um, like, I, even if he was. I, Kevin Durant was lucky because Greg Oden went first in, instead of Kevin Durant. And, you know, we all know what happened to Greg Oden. So, okay. So Pressy was hired on June 7th, 2007 as the manager of the then Seattle Supersonics. So he did make all of those picks, but really since then, all of his moves since Durant has left have been basically luck moves. Mm-hmm. And now he has all these picks, but he, they have nothing to show for it yet. They have a guy who could possibly be the second best player on an NBA championship level team or like contender. We'll see if they can get that number one guy out of it. But if they don't get that number one guy out of it with the amount of picks that they have, that's on Sam. And I think Oklahoma City fans should probably start reckoning with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess OKC has been 
like a good small market for the league in the fact that until this year they have not tanked and really they they are only semi tanking because I mean they they weren't tanking at the beginning of the season and and now they are obviously so I get why Adam Silver likes that because they have been a small market team that has remained competitive for a long time and they should be in line for a fairly short rebuild as far as rebuilds go because they already got their guy in Shea um, Mm -hmm. and a bunch of interesting young people and also Poku Uh, (laughs) so I I, I get why why uh, Adam Silver would love Oklahoma City our last piece of real stupid news is Zach Levine gets COVID-19 um, I haven't seen that the, it's been confirmed that's COVID-19 but I mean he's he's out in COVID protocols he'll be out for a while now the Bulls are gonna miss him for for several games and without Zach Levine what are the Bulls not a playoff team <laughs> I mean they're barely a playoff team with Zach Levine this actually is great because I we haven't checked in on the standings at all this season. And I think now that we're approaching crunch time for these fringe play-in game teams, it's time that we take a check in on the standings. So let's go to the Eastern Conference and look at the mm-hmm. Bulls, who are currently tied for 10th place at 23 and 33 with the Washington Wizards. That came out of nowhere, Chalanga. Like... The Wizards have been consistently over five games back, it seems like, from the 10 seed all season long. And then now they're just getting healthy again. And guess what? I don't want to face Russell Westbrook in a one-game series, in a tournament, in a play-in tournament. Two one-game series. I think that the Wizards could be dangerous for that eighth spot uh, if they Uh, do end up getting that 10 seed. Yeah, so, like, let's just do some some theories here. So, uh, you know... Right now, four through, I guess nine is far. Four through eight are separated by three games. That's mm-hmm. Atlanta and Boston, who are tied. New York, then Miami, Charlotte, and, and Charlotte. That's four through eight. No, no, I think the Wizards could beat the Hornets and the Pacers. That's what they would have to do. They could, they could beat the Hornets. They could beat the Pacers. They could beat the Knicks. They could beat the Hawks. You know, so- I... We should actually discuss like what this tournament is. So the 10 seed will play the nine seed and the eight seed will play the seven seed. Uh, it's a little bit yeah. confusing, but the seven or the whoever wins out of the eight and the seven seed ends up becoming the seven seed in the in the playoffs in whatever conference. Then the 10 yeah. and the nine seed play each other to figure out who will move on to the next game, which is the actual one game play in to see who will become the eight seed. So that means the Wizards, so, if they get in the 10 seed, would have to beat the Pacers right now and the Hornets, mm-hmm. which I actually think the Pacers and Hornets are kind of set in stone with all the injuries to the Hornets and the Heat being at in at seven and the Knicks kind of being way ahead of the Pacers right now and the Hornets. Uh, they're a game and a half ahead of the Hornets right now. I mean, we'll see what happens, but the Pacers then are 13 games back and the Bulls and Wizards are 16 games back. So like, it seems like, most things are pretty set in the East other than we'll see who ends up being the seventh seed between the Knicks and the Heat, I guess. Yo, if I'm Milwaukee, I am just delighted to be the 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 three seed right now. Uh, playing New York in the first round of the playoffs. Oh <laughs> Cakewalk. Cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And then what do they play? The the winner of uh two seven? Which Brooklyn and Miami, if the season ended today, 
that's I I I think Brooklyn wins, but I don't think that's a guarantee win for Brooklyn. That um, is scary. Again, today we just saw the Bam Adebayo game winner against the Nets. They just won 109-107, mm-hmm. and Bam hit a mid-range jumper to for the win. So I know that the Heat were probably going as hard as they could, and the Nets were still without James Harden, who I yep. think it's pretty clear that he's their best player, as much as many people don't want to admit it. So uh, we'll see what happens in that series. But if healthy, it's going to be very difficult for the Heat to get out of the first round. Yeah, and and the if it seems like Philly is going to uh sail to the the number 1 overall seed in the East, they are a game and a half up on the Brooklyn Nets who who can't seem to get their whole healthy team on the court. And the Sixers have been incredibly healthy and and lucky except for that short stretch where Joel was injured, but that means likely they will face the winner of the playing game, which could be Washington at this point. That's kind of what we're seeing. That's a cakewalk for them. And then they face the winner of Atlanta and Boston, who are the four or five right now, and they seem in pretty good position to keep those. I hope I would be hoping that Atlanta would win that series because Boston is going to be tough for the Sixers. Absolutely. I think that this is kind of indicative for like the teams that end up winning the most games. Maybe they should be able to pick their opponents. Because if I'm the 76ers, I'd rather play the Knicks than play the Wizards. I just, I don't want to face Bradley Beal. I don't know. I He's better than any player the Knicks have. And the best player is usually the most important thing to have in the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, you're I'll take one Julius Randle for sure. I mean, Beal and Westbrook are so much better than Randle and Barrett. Like, Peyton? Alfred Peyton's been playing <laughs> Let me play the Knicks, please. Like. God, that, that's so good for Milwaukee. This is going to be a cakewalk. Giannis could just rest that series, honestly. <laughs> he could just take a break. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move over to the Western Conference. Um, so let's take a look at that play-in spot. So right now, Dallas is at seven. Uh, the Grizzlies are game back at eight. Golden State and San Antonio are tied percentage-wise, but uh, Golden State has one more win. And also one more loss than San Antonio. Um, San Antonio is three and seven in the last ten. They have been going the wrong direction. Um, They're tanking. Let's... They want to get into the. They want to stay in the playoffs, but get in the lottery. They're three games ahead of the Pelicans. They know mm-hmm. that they're essentially locked into that ten seed at this point with fifteen or even less games left. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I think that that's a very interesting version of tanking because that's kind of the. If you think that you can win in a one game series and who cares, like even if you win both of those, like what what are you winning for? So you can get swept and have two home games where half the people are in the stands. You can make a little bit of extra money. But I still get it. Like this is an interesting way to tank that might be something to watch for moving forward. Here's the here's the interesting thing about the Western Conference is that Golden State is going to be in the play in tournament. And if you need to win one game, Stephen Curry is like one of the top guys that you would pick if you just need to win one game. Absolutely. And uh, so as it stands, if we were to end a day, it would be Dallas versus Memphis for that a spot and seven spot. Dallas would for the seven spot. Uh, sorry. And Dallas would win. I mean, Luca. <laughs> the league would win it. Yes. And then you've got Golden State versus either San Antonio or the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, if 
if the Pelicans come on late. Um, and I take Stephen Curry o- over the San Antonio Spurs and the Memphis Grizzlies. And I don't think twice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so, it's, it sucks to say because I don't want to watch one more minute of Warriors basketball just for the sake of seeing all the trolls on Twitter. Well, and then the, the the next tough thing is that then if the Warriors are the eighth seed, then they take on the Utah Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. And I'm not sure that the Utah Jazz can beat the Golden State Warriors. I, I think they probably do, but I'm not sure. It would be just adding to the first ballot Hall of Fame case that Steph Curry has if they're able to yes. beat the Jazz, because that would be incredible. Yes. So awesome, because it's so clear that, that the Warriors team without – Steph Curry right now is no better than absolutely no better than the Kings, no better mm-hmm. than the Pelicans. I just think the thing about the Warriors is that their defense is good. It's legitimately good. They're they're I think they're ninth in the league on defense right now. Um, and I accredit that almost solely to Draymond Green oh. quarterbacking that defense. I, it's not Wiggins Island does not exist. <laughs> Wiggins with Draymond Green shouting in his ear exists. And Kelly Oubre also taking some of the pressure off of Andrew Wiggins because Kelly Oubre has been defending the best wing at times for that yep. team. Yes, not forget. Anyway, if I'm if I'm Utah, I, I would much rather face Memphis than the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Steph, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't know with Stephen Curry. If if the Warriors' uh, defense can keep them in games, then like. Steph can win him some games. So that that's definitely scary for Utah. Then the 2-7 matchup ending today would be Phoenix versus Dallas, which again uh, that could be that's up that's upset territory, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I did not expect this coming from you because I figured that the Chris Paul fan in you would be saying, "No, the Suns are making the conference finals this year. This is their year. This is Chris Paul's year." But yeah, I could see them losing to any of these teams down to seven, right? Yeah, I, I could. Yeah. I I don't think I could see the Suns losing to the Warriors. Chris Paul has free real estate in Steph Curry's mind. Like he plays Steph so hard all the time. So I I actually would guarantee a Suns mm-hmm. victory over the Warriors. Well, but the, yeah. I don't know if the Suns are going to be the two seed. That's the crazy thing right now. They've gained two games on the Jazz and the Jazz are officially only one and a half games ahead of the Suns. Yeah, the Suns have been uh surging. They've been rising like the sun. Um and just just to to go through the rest of the first round matchups, it would be the Clippers versus the Trailblazers, which uh, man, like, this first round is going to be insane. Are you kidding mm. me? And then mm. the 4-5 right now is Denver LA. If oh, if I'm Denver, I am I am trying I am trying to get out of that matchup. I'm doing I, whatever I can. If I, if I have to lose games, if I have to win, like whatever it's going to take, I do I not to, want to face LeBron and AD in round one. If I have to fake a Jamal Murray injury, a Jamal Murray ACL injury, and then he comes oh, back miraculously. I forgot. I forgot that he, yeah. What if they did that? What if they did that? They're like just faking the injury and he comes back like Michael Jordan at the end of Space Jam. He he made the fastest recovery from an ACL injury of all time. <laughs> Illuminati oh, man, healed this, his knee. I'm rooting for it. This this West playoff is going to be crazy because really the the best two teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, are nowhere near the one seed, which is just going to create some real chaos. I want to oh, shout out my number two team to root for, the Lakers, who have kept in it since they got Andre Drummond, baby. 
They just beat the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz didn't have anyone playing for them except Jordan Clarkson was their best player. But just the fact that they've been able to hover around 500 since LeBron and AD have been out is a testament to the players that they have around them. And it looks like they've curved the play-in game. Everyone was saying, especially on Dunk Don, the biggest Laker hater, uh, Danny LaRue, was saying that the Lakers were going to fall down to seven. Nate Duncan was saying, Lakers were falling down to seven. It's easy, easy. But now they're four games ahead of the Mavericks, who are the seven seed, the best play-in game team. And I think that they've officially curved it with their team getting healthy this week, as soon as this week, AD might come back. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the Nuggets and the Lakers are fated to play at this point because the Nuggets are, are uh, what, three and a half games ahead of the Trailblazers, which is a lot of ground to lose if they want to get to the sixth seed. <laughs> uh and you can't really count on the Blazers to win games at that clip. Uh, and even if they go to the sixth seed, they have to face the Clippers in the first round. Man, this this Western Conference is a gauntlet. Uh whoever comes out of it is probably gonna win the finals because they're gonna be the best team in the NBA. I'm gonna be honest. I think the Lakers got really lucky here. This like their schedule going forward is the Nuggets and then the Jazz slash Warriors. And mm-hmm. then whoever wins out of the gauntlet that the Clippers and Suns have to go through. Yeah, man. The the Lakers were blessed by injury. <laughs> Super blessed by injury. It, somehow they keep getting these like weirdly easy paths to the finals. It's rigged. Rigged. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it's not rigged because what last year they had the Trailblazers, the Rockets. And and the and the Nuggets the oh and don't forget M I C K E Y M O U S E and then the Miami Heat that somehow made it to the finals they uh, <laughs> I don't know man the the all the LeBron haters are gonna look at back at these two uh, <laughs> championships and be like but look at his competition it's and all right you know what the Jordan the Jordan haters do the exact same thing. Exactly. And he's 36 now. Come on. He needs a little bit of an easier road to the finals. Like, <laughs> Come on, Grandpa. Uh, all right. Damn, Dylan. That was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> Man, we killed it with the jokes over there. Uh, now I'm excited to move on to our guest. Uh, we've been on a journey to invite, you know, our favorite Timberwolves personalities uh, from Twitter onto the pod. And today we have a Timberwolves Twitter OG, uh, Mr. Jamal Hayden. Welcome to the show, Jamal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It sounds different when someone else says it other than me. (laughs) We're really happy that you agreed to come on the show. We we love your Timberwolves takes. And uh, just so everyone knows, this is at Timber underscore Wolf. And the E is a three. So you're you've been on Twitter for 11 years now. You're like you've been on Twitter as long as I originally was on Twitter before I got clapped for impersonating Donald Trump. Uh, uh, <laughs> so how did you get wow. into uh, following the Timberwolves? And especially since you're in Atlanta, are you from Minneapolis or how did that how did that get started for you? Yeah, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I moved to Atlanta maybe 15 years ago. Um. So I really wasn't 
you know, I, I followed the Timberwolves ever since a kid, but I never really got into them until I really moved and uh, just started really picking up love for basketball. So you just kind of mm-hmm. reach out to your home, your your love and your Timberwolves and um, it kind of just grew from there. How it came about, I started following them on Twitter. It's I'm embarrassed to say, I don't think anyone knows this, but I'm going to tell y'all this. I started on Bleacher Report, like when Bleacher Report first became Bleacher Report. And my name was Timberwolf, right? I wrote articles. Because uh, really, there was really nobody talking Timberwolves like that in a positive way. Everyone was just kind of taking craps on them. <laughs> so I was this young dude who just wanted to write positive like, yeah, we're going to be great next year and all of this stuff on Bleacher Report. And I had, you know, to create a, 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 a Twitter handle that would match it. So that's kind of where it came from. So it's just been the Twitter that I use to follow Timberwolves stuff for years. So. I, I must say it is still like that. If do not go on the Bleacher Report app, Chalink and I have been <laughs> we, we, have, we have been published on the Bleacher Report app. And the, the comments section is a dangerous place to be. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's it's worse than Twitter replies somehow. Bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of I did a I think maybe 30 or 40 articles on there. Something serious. Oh, snap. All right. Well, yeah. maybe we'll we'll do some some deep dives and read some of your old work. That sounds Man, let's not do it, please. <laughs> let's not do it because it's so bad. It's so horrible. I'm ashamed to even say that I did something like that, but you know, it is what it is. It's out there, so. Mm-hmm. All right, as a Timberwolves fan, throughout the history of the Timberwolves, who is your all-time favorite Timberwolf? Doesn't have to be the best player or you know yeah. the, the greatest Timberwolf of all time. Just your personal favorite Timberwolf. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. Right. It's kind of a toss-up between three guys. Um, it's Al Jefferson, Corey Brewer, and Nikola Pekovich. I've got Ooh. some interesting names there. Um, I, it was hard for me to pick because I've actually met Al in, in, in person. Um, he came through Atlanta, and I got to chop, chop it up with him a while. Real cool dude. I mean, just, I mean, you could just say what's up to him, and he's the biggest, tallest dude you'll ever see. But it's like <laughs> he's he just has a real warm uh, warmth to him. And then, um, of course, Corey Brewer was just a hands uh, a handful of energy and positivity. So if you're a young Timberwolves fan. You're going to kind of gravitate to that. So I just remember Corey just having that that positivity and energy. And then, of course, Nikola Pekovich. I mean, man, I, I loved I loved Pekovich when we brought him over and just thought he was such an underrated pickup for us. But uh, it's a shame that he, you know, felt his career felt an injury. But just he just looks so intimidating. You know, we as, as Timberwolves fans, we didn't we don't have many guys that really can strike fear into other guys is on the other team when they're playing. But Peck was legitimately one of those dudes because he was legitimately big and he was legitimately solid. Like you couldn't move that dude around. So it, it'd probably be those a toss up between those three. Hey, I love the Corey Brewer pick. He is all time. Yeah. He's all time. I mean, he's, he's one of the only Timberwolves who scored 50 points in a game. So, Man, you know, <laughs> got to give him right. love for that. Random Wolves tidbits out there. That's crazy to hear. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Mont Nicola Pekovich, yeah. the, the Montenegrin Kendrick Perkins. Ten times better <laughs> on offense than Kendrick could ever be. But Absolutely. yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So in, in your time of being a Timberwolves fan, did, did you have a least favorite Timberwolf? Someone who you hated rooting for, hated watching, you were glad to see them go? 
Um, that was a really good question. It was hard for me to to think. Like I didn't. I don't know if I really rooted for anyone to go. But in terms of like who my least favorite wolves were, I, more so like disappointments. Um, I really, really, really liked the West Johnson pick when we picked him, and I really 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 hate myself that i like that pick so much and if you go on <laughs> if you go on the bleacher report actually you'll see that i wrote a good article about west johnson before the draft um and i thought that he would be really solid because he 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 averaged like two steals and two blocks as as a junior at, at, at syracuse so you know we were at the time looking for players that did had the do it all type thing you know we had always had players who could do one thing so like I kind of was really thinking Wes was going to be that. He just disappointed me. Just disappointed me so much. Then probably the other guy, just from the standpoint of being disappointed, was Michael Beasley. I just thought mm-hmm. I, I really, when we signed him and Kevin Love, I thought I was really, really hype at the beginning because Beasley kind of took off like that first two weeks. I feel like Timberwolves. We have a bunch of Timberwolves teams that that seem to do really well for like the first two weeks, and then it's just 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 got nothing after that um and beasley's that quick ascension and then just kind of falling off there with the efficiency and just all the the defense just not being able to really do much other than just you know be a ball stopper so Mm -hmm. i I say those two ah great answer for me it it was really hard to uh root for jamal crawford when he was on the rules (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was playing way too many minutes like oh. in, in, in way too many important possessions i was like my man god. i can't my god yeah all right well let, let's uh let's move on to some some timberwolves current day topics we finally get to see d'angelo russell and carl anthony towns playing together uh they're five and four in yeah. in games that they have played together um what are your early thoughts on how they look as as our one-two punch i think it's really interesting because when we just think about like the dynamics of basketball like you watch those two guys play and how early it's been they draw so much attention to themselves um and in a in a legitimate way i mean like we've seen ant be able to draw legitimate attention to himself but when his shot's not falling they'll they'll stick uh, a guy who's not known as a top defender on him real fast i mean because once once his confidence is gone um then you know he they can they can kind of get away with that but with d'lo and cat they're just so um they just draw so much attention and they can hurt you and it's not and it's not hard for them to um and i think it's really interesting that we have a blend of two guys who can kind of make the scoring seem effortless champion the helm because that dimension we've just never had we've never had that two-way punch we've had a bunch of one-man shows and a, and a and kind of a sidekick but never a two-man game that were really complimentary of each other like cat and d'lo being a being perimeter finesse skill players with ant on the side of that i think really adds an incredible dynamic and i, I think it's indicative of why we're five and four uh, against some legitimate teams, might I add. I mean, when they've played, yep. they've also when they've lost, they've also played very competitively, which is the other great sign. Um, we've seen teams where times where we've been able to win a few games, but other games we get blown out. At least when Cat and Delo are both on the floor. Now, when Cat's not on the floor, that's a whole other issue. But yeah, basically, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I like I like what you said there because like uh, when it was just Delo without Cat. It felt like he was really 
like disengaged and it was hard for him to like really bring that energy but watching D'Lo and Cat together Russell seems more engaged than he, he has been all season and his numbers and his game are reflecting that go ahead Dylan to me I and I say it all the time but it's all about what happens after D'Lo shoots um, <laughs> is he going yeah. to start releasing or is he going to stand there and complain about not getting a foul call right yeah. and the fortunate thing is right now he's getting the foul calls and everyone on the Timberwolves has been getting foul calls since Chris Finch took over. I don't know what it is, but maybe refs respect the older coach a little bit more when he complains that he starts getting them on his side. But uh, but th- that is a really great change for the Wolves. And if D'Lo can get those calls instead of complaining about not getting the, those calls, I think that that's going to be huge. And if he doesn't get those calls, he's going to have to he's going to have to run back in transition. <laughs> Um, I think those are great points uh, as it pertains to D'Lo. I think we have to think about this, the Ryan Saunders aspect of things, because, I mean, it's different watching a team once and, and it's, it's different watching a team 30 or 40 times. And I've watched the Ryan Saunders coach team plenty of times. And mm-hmm. it didn't take long, you know, for Finch to really get in there and for things to change in a very tangible, very meaningful way. Um, and modern way. And modern, yeah, right. We're I feel like we're watching more of a modern NBA offense. There were so many mm-hmm. times we'd watch our offense and it would look like the junior varsity team. I, I swear. <laughs> it's like we're it's like we didn't do anything functional. We we miss every shot. I mean, even the decisions just from the standpoint of the rotations, it just didn't make any sense. I think with D believing somewhat and Finch uh, because you know, I watch the post games and I, I've you see D'Lo, he has paid more compliments to Finch in, I mean, six or seven games than we ever seen him talk of Saunders. I think it's very telling in that in that aspect. So, yeah, clear that D'Angelo Russell did not like Ryan Saunders uh, right. and, and Chris Finch is a is a better fit. And what I call it the D'Lo show, like when D'Lo is left to his own devices and and just like because he had a certain amount of freedom under Ryan Saunders because Ryan Saunders didn't have a clear vision and like philosophy for the offense. And he so had when he's... freedom because he was a pushover. <laughs> Ryan's like, oh, OK. I don't yeah. Know. Yep. yeah. And, and and when he is when he is left to to, you know, be he gets that Kobe mentality where he just like he has to score and he has to kind of be like the best guy on the team. Yeah. I, I think he really struggles because he's just. He's he's not that. But when he can really play a complimentary role and like buy into the system and push the pace, that's that's when we see like the good version of D'Lo. Yeah, um, I think we see the best version of the Timberwolves when they're allowing themselves to be coached by Finch. I think mm-hmm. that's um, even Cat, you know, from from the standpoint of uh, just being more aggressive. I'd wish he'd be a, a bit more aggressive, but D'Lo's. Uh, maturation is one of those things that can make up for a lot of the mistakes that the wolves have made over the years. If he, if you can get another gear out of him, um, if you can mm-hmm. gear, get another gear out of cat defensively, because I think on offense, um, you know, he's always going to be super efficient. I mean, six, sixth greatest, uh, best true shooting percentage for a big, uh, no for period uh, for a, for a player in NBA history. So he's always going to be solid offensively, but you can get another gear out of him defensively and get D low another, another gear for him. And I think it could be something sustainable over an 82 game season. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a good point to kind of transition specifically to, to the, this Chris Finch 
led Timberwolves team because it, it I mean to me it does look like a different team like totally they they are they are playing with more speed you know I've Ryan yeah. always talked about how he wanted to push the pace he wanted everyone to be able to like grab the rebound bring the ball up the court and like whatever yeah Dylan what's, what's I up? think he was trying to just cater to whatever Gerson was telling him to say because like Gerson, Gerson was obviously building this team to run and to play high level offense high octane offense mm-hmm. but it just wasn't what Ryan Saunders had known as a coach. Like who did he, who did he, who was he an assistant coach for where they were running like the fastest pace offense in the league? No one Tibbs. No, his dad. No. I mean, he was just put into such a terrible situation for himself. Yes. Sam Mitchell. He was put into such a terrible situation for himself. I mean, this is honestly all of this, like Ryan Saunders career failures can all be drawn back to Glenn Taylor and it's his fault. And if not for Glenn Taylor, Chris Finch would be the coach of the team. And maybe Ryan Saunders would still be an assistant coach for the Timberwolves. Man, that's y'all just, y'all just was about dropping fire over there. I totally agree. Um, in terms of, uh, of Ryan, um, and, and Glenn, and that's just as, as it pertains to Rosas, like we've seen, I think with this last draft and this past off season where he's a, been able to, you know, get his staff together and kind of uh, assimilate a little bit more to understanding just how dire the situation is. But <laughs> yeah, like I really think that with with a full off season, a full training camp, and you've even heard the players allude to that, uh, which tells me that they're they're willing to buy in based on what they hear from Finch. And I, I mean, we hear in the post game, and his answers are, I mean, unreal. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. Or when he didn't do something right, he's like, yeah, I probably should have, you know. And it's just like, hmm, there's something to this guy. You can definitely hear that he's got the head coach's aura. Mm-hmm. Has it. Has it. And uh, we haven't – I don't think we've had that. I mean, I remember we, we hired Kurt Rambis. And it, I, that's another article if you want to look up. Don't do not do that. <laughs> that's bad. Oh, that's bad. It's horrible. Um <laughs> I mean, no, no one's ever really talked like this, which get, which honestly gave me a lot more faith than Rosas. To be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear he's ready for this job, and my hope is that he can be the next coach to to bring the Timberwolves back to the playoffs. And you know, I, I think you're right with an off season with some more time together. This team is starting to look like a team that could push for at least the play in, right? You know, if not if not higher. But we we've seen it like as this team has had some more time together. Uh, let's let's take Anthony Edwards for example. Since the All Star break, yeah, twenty three point four points per game, five rebounds, three assists, uh, one point six steals per game. He's been absolutely killing it. What are you, what are your thoughts on Edwards uh, this season? It's hard to really describe um, just how far he's come because he was, I mean. He at the beginning of the season, I mean, you could just tell the guy was literally processing it in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody could watch turn on the Timberwolves and see Anthony Edwards was pro- just the worst player in the league. I mean, but, I mean, just just truth be told, I mean, you're just you we just have to say it. I mean, in terms of efficiency, in terms of defense awareness, defensive awareness, it wasn't there. Um, and I don't know how much we can attribute this to Finch, but I definitely think the simplification of things has done a lot for Edwards. And, of course, Edwards was making progress on his own. Of course, don't get me wrong. 
under, uh, even uh, even though Saunders wasn't you know likely doing him any favors. I I, I don't I I just back back to Edwards. Um, what as it pertains to how he's been playing after this All Star break, he has looked like I thought he could look as a rookie. Um, I thought we would see flashes that were extremely great. I'm talking about the flashes now, just like with Zach Levine. When we first drafted Zach Levine, I was one of those few guys was like, I think this kid, after, especially after his rookie season, I said, I think this kid can really be a superstar on the offensive end. Um, just, you just have to look at it. I mean, look at him play. And when we watch Anthony Edwards play, especially after the All-Star break, there's no denial. The talent is there. It's absolutely there. It's, I don't think we have a, have a, a question about that, but it's can he be consistent? Can he be more efficient? And can he get more of an uptick on the defensive end? If he can do that, we're talking about a ceiling of a top 10 NBA player. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes comes down to more than just flashes at this point. We've had 21 games to look oh. at him since the All-Star break. And, like, yes, the flashes, they were even there before. Like, he had a 30-point game, right, with, like, 32 points with Ryan Saunders. But the po- the problem with Ryan Saunders is – Anthony Edwards belongs in a multiple ball handler system mm. and Gerson designed this team. Like it's, it's honestly brilliant. He designed it to have two or three ball handlers mm-hmm. and like, and if you include cat, maybe four, right. 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 And, and who knows, maybe he's going to have everyone yeah. handle the ball at some point And it'll be like this incredible, like alien type of uh, basketball sure. offensive type basketball team, I, whatever. But like Ryan Saunders, his whole, career was dedicated to his father who was looking for that two-man game his whole life he dedicated his whole life looking to to that two-man game for marbury billups brandon all of those point guards and they were it was a one ball handler system and it was a post-up player and that's how they that's how he designed every one of his offenses every one of his great offenses that he had and you saw that even when the Wolves were successful with Ryan, like against the Jazz or against the Pistons, like you would have Cat in the post. But now you're seeing a lot different things out of what Carl Anthony Towns is doing, out of what all of these players are doing. Sorry to get off of Anthony Edwards for a second, oh. but like everyone's bringing the ball up the court. And that enhances what Anthony Edwards is able to do because Absolutely. now Ant doesn't have to always, it's not like, all right, now you get a turn doing pick and roll. Now I get a turn doing pick and roll. Now it's like there are multiple yeah. options. And oh, yeah. I I get how he's saying that it's simplified, but it's somehow yeah. more in it's more intricate <laughs> too. So yeah, it's like simplified only from the standpoint of it it caters toward their strengths. So it's it's it looks simpler, but it's like, yeah, when they, they go into pick and roll, that option's not there. Okay, you move it here. It's like this just caters better to their skill set. So it looks simpler, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it is just that yeah, it's sauce. I think I think him giving each player specific options on offense makes it more yeah. simple for them, but at the same time gives our offense tons of more options, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, Anthony Edwards, one of the biggest things for him and the progression of his game is that he has started all those layups that he missed at the beginning of the season uh, with, through contact, you know, right. and not getting the foul. He's starting to make some of them. So he's not so dependent on the foul call to be, you know, yeah. an offensive threat because his, his touch is like he's just figuring it out. You know, and he's making some wild, wild layups. But I swear, I think since that dunk on Yuta Watanabe, 
I think that he has been so much more confident attacking the rim and has like completely like turned turned his his game around and he's putting up like 20 points a night every night. It's it's like almost guaranteed he's going to score 20, which is wild. I think it also speaks to his just his talent level because I mean, he's still a very raw basketball player. Yeah. That's like 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 he's far from a finished product like that that move he hit last night on uh, uh, operating in the pick and roll with Towns um, in the fourth quarter. I mean, where he's just navigating around Bam and he's just he's just kind of have him on his hip and kind of get to the other side of the lane. And that's just him scratching the surface. I mean, dude is a baby. Mm-hmm. He's a baby out there. And there are times where he looks like he more than belongs in the top two or three best players on the court against any team Mm -hmm. how many times Um, has he shaved that's what i'm wondering (laughs) this is what i'm saying like he's a baby yeah um it's it's incredible to see and like you said him him i mean it is it is at this point beyond the flashes um but i mean it's just like yo 19 years old i i it'd be a it'd be a shock and and if and we talked a little bit about this before we got on but just me understanding his environment where he comes from mm-hmm. um down here because i again like he he was nowhere from where i live i mean nowhere i know this environment i know this culture down here he's got that mentality and he's got that alpha in him and i can un- i can easily understand why the guys seem to gravitate to him so much because there are certain cats down here that that's just the norm where they just they are the guys. They are the lead. We have, you know, even in, you've seen the dynamic in high school where certain guys that just have that it and everybody just rocks with them and, and Edwards has it. And that's what makes me even more excited for his career as a Timberwolf because, you know, it's one thing to have the talent, but I believe he has it up here in his mind that he could truthfully be an all-time great player. Well, for the sake of the Timberwolves and my fandom, I hope that he reaches that ceiling. I wrote an article uh, like a while back, com- like comparing him to Dwayne Wade. Cause I mean, Dwayne Wade compared him to, to himself. Right. And like looking at their stats, especially his, his stats have been going up. They're super comparable to what Dwayne Wade was doing. And uh, I think their games are, are comparable for sure. Ant is much more willing to shoot the three, right. Than, than Dwayne Wade ever was. I mean, Dwayne Wade's an all-time great. Let's see what we got with it. I I don't even well. I, the, one thing we won't we we don't want to discount though is how great Wade was on the defensive end. Wade was a right a, a phenomenal two-way player. Um, yeah. If if I mean if Edwards if Edwards could get seventy-five percent of what Wade was on the defensive end, where where he is on now 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 let's 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 just say this, Ant's offensive ceiling is much higher than Wade's was. Yes, I've just got to say it. I mean, Wade, and and I'm, and that's no knock to Wade, but Wade said it himself. He said it's not me saying it. He mm-hmm. he said it that this kid could take the bar even far further than than I could. I yep. mean, he's I mean, at 19 years old, he's already got enough handle to get into the paint. He's already got the hops, and he's already got the body. I mean, he and the fact that he has that body at 19 years old. I I don't want to see what he I I can imagine what he's gonna look like when he's twenty four. Yeah. I mean, when he's twenty four coming down the lane and he's had all the experience to know what where where he can get to and what moves he can use and all of this stuff. What are you gonna do with that kid? 
I think Edwards could be the one where it, it does legitimately feel like he could be a superstar, a, oh. a, legitim- a legitimate perennial all-star every year type of guy. I love to hear it. I'm, I'm, I really try to tame my expert expectations just because I, I don't like to be, I don't like to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel you 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you with the eyes. You're just like, bro. Like, <laughs> that was like, <laughs> that was Talanga looking, watching as Anthony Edwards puts up his sixth pull up three and he's 0 for 6. <laughs> oh, man. I know, right? We're talking about a guy who's like <laughs> still not an efficient, not, you know, in terms of the full year, but he's come on these last these last few weeks. I'm, I'm not I'm not tripping about the efficiency at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. I'm like, no, I'm seeing the upswings. I'm seeing and and not only that, I'm seeing the fact that he's got some legit point guard you know, intangibles there too. He's, he's got a, got a bit of a, uh, you know, a way to create shots for his teammates. I mean, and I think he's kind of going to get to that point where he's, he's going to know exactly what the defense is trying to do. And he's going to be able to just make so many easy passes. And as soon as the Timberwolves can get a few guys that can knock down an open shot, I mean, God, <laughs> you know, get Beasley back. That'll help. Yes, it will. Um, all right. Let's move on to some games. We love to play games with our guests. Um, we got two games to play today. The first one is, uh, I don't have a name for it. It's called uh, Rank These Players. <laughs> uh, that's as creative, creative as I got today. Very creative. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to give you three players, and I'm going to have you rank them one through three in terms of who you think is, is best. Maybe not necessarily right now, but like, for, for the long term of the Timberwolves and like oh. the length of their contract, who oh, you, you know, who you want to have on this team? I right? So first, right. we have uh, Jordan McLaughlin, Josh Okogie. Oh, oh, I love that! I love the facial reaction there. Jamal. Thank you. <laughs> All right, J Mac, uh, Josh Okogie, and Nas Reed. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. To me, Nas Reed is definitely number one. Um, I don't think it's close. And the other two guys, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to, honestly, I'm probably have to put Josh Kobe number two and, and, and McLaughlin three. Um, I'm not a big fan of McLaughlin like that. Like, I, I'm still kind of, I'm in a wait and see. Like, I, I look at that dude, TJ McConnell over there for the Pacers, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that dude gets it. Like, that dude can push the pace. He, yeah. he, he's tough. He's feisty. He may not even contribute every single night, but you see him. I mean, he took it to us. I mean, I'm like, my goodness, that's who I need Jordan McLaughlin to be. You know, mm-hmm. that guy. Um, J- Josh Okoge, uh I really wanted Josh Okoge to be a Timberwolves 3 and D guy. I mean, you'd think he'd have it, especially out of Georgia Tech. He shot pretty good in catch and shoot from Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew who he was coming out the draft. I thought it was a solid pick, and I thought if he could give us something, you know, from behind the three-point line, his defense was definitely going to translate. I already, we already knew that. So, and Nas Reed, I mean, especially with the new development of him and Cat being able to play together, it's yeah. not even close. I mean, Nas Reed has been a guy who's been a contributor, even when he was a rookie. I mean, he went from being the worst backup center in the league last year, probably, mm-hmm. to being 
legit like he he is a legitimate starting center now and you know when he's driving to the basket it's an almost an auto bucket you know his shot comes and goes uh which we've seen the past few weeks but when he's on he's on and he's a smart enough player to generally be in the right position defensively his his athleticism is not all there but he's jumping higher than he did last year his putbacks lately have been oh crazy God. that putback dunk he had i don't remember who it was against even offhand Dude. but a couple whatever this last week that was amazing but he anyway he could not jump like that last year like he couldn't yeah well and he's been recovering like his rookie year he was recovering from injury. What what was his injury? It was a it was a leg injury of some sort. He was a broken feet or something. I mean, he was recovering from, from shit. And my biggest win, I think, on this podcast that has been has gone undiscovered, to, to tell you the truth, is that I told Chalanga two years ago, I was like, I want to see more Carl Anthony Towns as a power forward because Carl can move his feet. And I think we're we're seeing that now. We're seeing that we're seeing him play more on the perimeter. And if he can play with Nas Reed as the power forward, he's going to be Chris Weber. That's what he is. And, and, and I, don't, I, I just want to see more of it. I, if he turns out to be more of like in the Bam Adebayo role with Nas Reed or, you know, cause Nas Reed is, is, is I would rather have Nas Reed than Aaron Baines or uh, Kelly Olenek, Myers sure. Leonard, of course. So, sure. uh, yeah. So what I want to see out of that pairing is possibly that. And then you have Nas Reed not playing crunch time. You have Carl as your center in crunch time. And then he can be uh, your rim protector just for that stretch of time because Carl is a great rim protector. But if he doesn't have to do it for the whole game, that alleviates a lot of that pressure for him on that side of the ball. And he can be the number one option on offense, number two option on, like he can be all of the numbers on offense. And, Man. and, and that's what I want to see from, from cat is like to just take over this team. And if he doesn't have to like be at the rim contesting every time and picking up fouls, that's what centers Man. do. Man. Then cat is going to be, that's going to be the superstar that we've all been waiting for. The number, the the second team All NBA, first team All NBA player that we know Carl can be, and we know Carl can fight with Joel when it comes down to it. If he has the right team, Carl just hasn't had the right team. Jokic got the right team. Joel got the right team. Like Carl has been fighting now with injury and not having the right team, and it just sucks that like he had half a season with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Man, uh, you said a mouthful, dude. Like, <laughs> real, like, cat is. I've, I've told guys down here uh, that really haven't had the chance to appreciate Cat's game, but especially with the development of him being able to play the four and defend the four, we're, now we're opening up. We have to really kind of rethink Carl's upside. Like you said, we're not, we're, we're, I'm up now. You're like Chris Weber. I was thinking, Chris Weber, a little bit of Tim Duncan, a little bit of Dirk, a little bit of Kevin Garnett. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a hybrid of kind of different guys if he's able to adequately uh, be able to defend for us. Because now we've already, we already know that he can do fives, like you said. Him and Yoke have had their battles. Him and Embiid have had their battles. Him and Bam have had their battles. This is not a, this is not the question. But if Cat can get to that four spot, it opens up who we add, who we can add in the off season. And it opens up who maybe that next guy is for the next addition to the core, you know, putting McDaniels at the three, because I would love to for him to let's just lock it in. Let's just go ahead and lock 
Rubio, Edwards, McDaniels, Cat, and a big-time rim-protecting five. Let's just go ahead and do it. Let's just do it now because I'm, I'm wanting to see all of that defensive capability. Imagine if we had gotten Al Horford on our team. Like, we saw what happened with Joel and Al Horford. But imagine if we had been able to sign Al Horford. Like, I think that fit would have been perfect. And yeah. maybe it was a year too soon because Cat wasn't used to guarding the fours at that point. Sure. You know, he's played almost his whole career at center. But I think that that would have been so much far more interesting just because of the versatility that Carl brings in his game versus yeah. Joel, who's like, this year he's a mid-range king, but like the past three years he's really yeah. struggled next to all of the size that he's had. And, uh, and, and as you can see this year, a lot of the reason why his mid range is falling is because he's surrounded by the right players, a lot of smaller players. So. Mm -hmm. And coaching can play, play a part in that. Doc. Yeah. You know, Doc, That's true. There. Doc sure. knows how to, how to, how to coach stars. Absolutely. That's, yes, he does. All right, that. the first the first round of that game uh, ended up being way longer than I thought, but that's a good thing. We're we're gonna move on to round two now that we've heard now that we've heard your thoughts on J Mac. I'm gonna do the point guard <laughs> bracket, okay? So oh. rank oh, these shit. three players: Ricky Rubio, God, Jordan <laughs> McLaughlin, <laughs> and Jalen Noel. Oh my goodness! Like going forward. <laughs> I, I mean, Whoa, it's it's like just... it's it's like let's just limit it to the next two years. You get you have this player for two oh. years, Ricky. Wait, should should it be Ricky or should it be Jarrett Culver? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we already Does know that, that. Which one's uh, which one's tougher? Please not talk about Jarrett Culver. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, okay. It's Jarrett Culver, Jarrett Culver, Jalen Jalen Noel, or Jordan McLaughlin. That's it. <laughs> oh my God! Number one definitely is Jalen Noel. First of all, yes. um, I think yes. Jalen Noel has translate like definitely translated into being a rotational guy or a guy worthy of minutes, um, especially with the lack of spacing on this team. Um, and as you guys alluded to before, you know this offense is really built for multiple ball handlers. And you know when you watch basketball, you see Jalen Noel has that that touch that kind of hey he can get a bucket and it doesn't even look like he can get that bucket but he can certain guys can get on the court and as long as they're on that court you can bump them they can kind of just float that thing up it's just certain touch so definitely Jalen Noel first um but after that it's so bad, but I gotta take Jared Culver over. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And only, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm listen, listen. If we can't find another Jordan McLaughlin in the G League or something, what is he giving? I mean, listen, I know he's not gonna turn the ball over necessarily. I he's gonna fight on defense at times. He's gonna give up some size. He's a very smart player. He can push the pace. I don't see why we can't find another guy that can do that. That should be extremely easy to find. I mean, dude literally could have gotten signed anywhere. I mean, could have gotten signed anywhere. No one wanted to pick him up. So, I mean, that tells me a lot about how the league views him. And I, I think he works systematically. And I think he works systematically with D'Lo. But I think he's easily replaceable. Jarrett... I'm going to give him the slight nod because if I need a guy, if Josh Okoge is on foul trouble, if uh, McDaniels is, is, you know, he can't handle a big four or something like that, who's your next guy? It's probably going to be Culver. And 
I'll give him a sh- one night out of five. He'll have a decent de- defensive night. Last year, he seemed to be really good on the defensive end. I, I think he's, his defense has kind of come back a bit from last year. But that's one. Yeah, that's I agree. Order. You know, regarding your your finding another J Mac, there's current some current free agent point guards include oh, no. <laughs> uh, Quinn Cook, Shabazz Napier, Shabazz, Emmanuel like Moody. Always do that. Give me oh, Shabazz, Shabazz Napier. Napier. Give me. I'll take Napier back. Did yes. Napier put up a triple double last year with us? Probably. That Maybe. sounds right to me. Yeah. Like, right. I'll, I'll, I'll take Shabazz Napier over Jordan McLaughlin all day. Yeah. So it, it's just, it, it is such a replace. Small point guard is the most replaceable position in the league. Yeah. Uh, not to mention but, the 100 of them that exist in junior college, right? <laughs> right. I mean, just get the next guy who set all the new NCAA records. Because there's yeah. always that guy. And there's always Who's that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. 5'10. He's super quick. He's super smart. Just get that guy in and draft the free agency. Call it a day. Yep. All right. The last bracket here is the power forward bracket. And Ooh. these three, we have mm. Jake Lehman, mm. Juancho Hernan Gomez, <sighs> and Jared Vanderbilt. Mm. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Jake Lehman is number three. He's got he's the worst of the three, I think. And I think last year if we were talking about this, Jake Lehman would be like number one. I mean, he was he was somebody who was playing like seemed like a very consistent role for us. Uh just but he's just falling from grace. I after that <sighs> damn, it's so bad because it's like <laughs> between Wancho and Jared Vanderbilt, you have one guy who who's supposed to be a shooter and he Sometimes it's his shots, and sometimes he doesn't. And then another guy who literally has zero offensive skill. I mean, if he could just catch the ball. I mean, if he could just catch the ball decently, he'd be much better than what he is now. I mean, I'm afraid for this guy to even run in transition and to catch a, a, catch a, a, catch a bat, bounce pass from D'Lo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, like, it's so hard. But if I had to take one... Uh, Take one over the other. I guess it'd have to be Wancho number one, Vanderbilt at the number two, and Lehman at three. Wow. Ugh. I think that's that's my biggest issue with Vanderbilt mm. is that I have him three, not because mm. he doesn't have like way better games, like one out of three or four or five times, right? It's it's but it's those other two, three, four, or five games. Where it's like, He's oh so my bad. God, what is going on? What are you doing on a basketball court? Like, you belong at the YMCA. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> and yeah. and it's it's just tough to watch. It's really tough to watch him when he's not effective. And so mm. we don't need that on our team. What we need on the Timberwolves after our top three, four, five guys right now, which we have our top three, four, five guys, basically, set not in stone. It it hopefully will change next year by the trade deadline. But like we have those guys. Jared Vanderbilt will not be that ever. And maybe mm-hmm. he could be that on another team or maybe three, four, five years. He gets on a team that really knows how to develop players and gets him to play more consistently. But the players that you have after that, you need them to play consistently. You need them to be P.J. Tucker standing in the corner and making the three. And I'm not saying that that has to be their skill, the three yeah. or the corner three, but like they have to be consistent at something 
on offense yeah. or consistent mm-hmm. at something on defense because Jared Vanderbilt's also not even consistent on defense. Like people yeah. want to say like he brings all this energy, but when he's matched up with a bigger player, yeah. he's almost always outmatched because yeah. like, yeah. and it was interesting. Chalanko brought up a really great point on Twitter the other day. Like defensively, he's a three who can guard up. He's a three mm-hmm. who can guard maybe a little bit down, probably not point guards, but like twos through five. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, he's very versatile. But then it just so happens that on the offensive end, he's not, a, he doesn't have a position. He's not he even a center. He doesn't, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't have a single skill for him on offense. Nothing. 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 Unless yeah. he's offensive rebounding, and most of those are just lucky because he's in the right place at the right time, and he happens to bring a lot, like go. He happens to be very quick and agile, but he's not like boxing out. That's my biggest issue with this team. One of those players is going to have to box out, and like Jake Layman's not a four, and Wancho is unfortunately the best player on the team at boxing out. Maybe even more than Cat, just because Cat's more focused on other things, typically yeah, on defense, uh-huh. like. We need a player who's a four who boxes out consistently, has that those type of fundamentals to be able to clear space for other people to get in the re- and get the rebound. Amen yeah. to that. One last note on Jake Lehman before we move on is that watching the Miami Heat and the way that their offense moves, it's it's very it's very scripted. They run a lot of plays. It's it's all about off ball movement and and you know getting those off ball screens curling around. I think Jake Lehman would look very good in Miami because he is a fantastic cutter. He's like surprisingly athletic. He, when he's open, he's a good shooter. I think like he just needs that like really prescribed system and like a lot of plays where he can you know move around, run around, get open. Otherwise, I, like I take him over Trevor Ariza right now, personally. What? Yeah, I know. I, I know Trevor Ariza is like Trevor Ariza is like thirty-seven now. That's my old. issue. Is like, what is Trevor Ariza <laughs> going to actually bring you in the playoffs? And so, like, I think Jake Lehman is very, very solid. And as a three, he can guard a little bit up, a little bit down, and he's most importantly. The consistent one. That's my Jake spiel. <laughs> I'll always be a, a Jake L. Simp. Look at that. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was a good conversation about the regular players. So we're gonna end it there. Thank you so much uh, for coming on onto the show, Jamal. This was this awesome. was great. Yeah. This was yeah. Dope. This was really great. This was fun. Uh-huh. Had some uh, some some good conversations. Yes, sir. I love this. Was awesome, y'all. Y'all got a great podcast. Got a good, great thing going. Thank you. I appreciate it. Is Thank you, you have anything you wanna? You wanna? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Dylan? Plug. Plug. Yeah, anything you wanna plug? <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, I guess if you wanna follow me on Twitter, I've been tweeting stuff for 11 years on the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. My Twitter is kind of a sort of a compilation of tweets from Timberwolves Twitter, a lot of ways. So. You know, if you tweet something cool or good on, on, on Twitter, I likely will retweet it. And surprisingly, a lot of, I mean, most of my followers are Twi- Timberwolves fans, so they yeah. like the stuff too. And I'm <laughs> kind of like a small little catalyst for other, you know, Timberwolves fans. So, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that, um, thanks for having me on. Y'all were, y'all were so gracious and hospitable. For sure. We <laughs> love you it. so much, Jamal. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. love thanks, your take. Jamal. We loved your your time on this podcast, and we'll have you back again for sure. Yeah. Hey, 
I'll be happy to be on. Hopefully, you know, maybe maybe in the off season or something, or like when when season ends or something or whatever, something like that. Have Hopefully, that. when yeah, when something important happens, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, let's get Next let's get trade. let's get this guy on so we can talk Timberwolves <laughs> and talk some smack. Thank you for listening to the CND NBA show. Thank you to Jamal for coming on the show. That was so fun. Uh, one of our favorite guests. We'll be sure to have you back on, my friend. Uh, I hope it's okay that I call you that, my friend. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CND NBA. Send us an email at cndmba at gmail.com. If you listen, you better like and subscribe. Share. Tell your friends how awesome it is. Sonny, um, tell your friends as well. Yes, please. Uh Again, we love you, and uh, stay safe out there, uh, especially if you're in Minnesota. Um, oh, and flip off a, a, an armed soldier while you're while you're out and about. Ooh, no, maybe maybe don't. We want to keep people alive. If if you're white, flip off a a, a police officer or a soldier. The U.S. Well, military complex is fucking corrupt, messed up, and fucking horrible. If you didn't know that we lived in a fascist state uh, before, you certainly should know now. And if you don't know now, then you're not paying attention. So wake up, sheeple. (laughs) All right. Bye.